then we acknowledge God. You are God. You're Lord. You're real. You're Christ. Your kingdom doesn't end. We came to Zion. We sing about it. We didn't come to some empty thing. We came to a real thing. Aletheia, truth, reality, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It says, in the God of peace, he's talking to the church in Rome. Bruise Satan under your feet shortly. So now grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, church. The God of peace shall bruise Satan. How? Through the church. Say through the church. Through this corporate settings. If we just enter in. If we just enter in. If we get past spectating. If we just enter in. Paul's mystery of Christ in the church. And why we come together here. If we just enter in. Paul constantly says, Know ye not to us. Know you not you're a temple of God. Know you not you're a member of his body. Know you not. Know you not. That's his mystery. It's Christ in you in reality. And in his church. It will no longer be despised. It's the church that he bruises Satan under your feet. Go up to 19th verse, Cole. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men, and I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good. And simple, say simple, concerning evil. I want you to close your eyes and put your hand over your heart. And say, God's pouring out abundance of revelation. He's pouring out abundance of revelation. He's pouring it out in my life. He's pouring it out for the church. For the mystery of Christ in us. And for the reality of the church. The mystery of wisdom. The hidden things being unveiled. Say in my life. In this time. In this hour. I'm receiving. His vision. I'm receiving his revelation. I'm receiving his purpose. I'm seeing things as he sees them. I don't take it light. My hour of visitation. I come out of religion in Babylon. And come unto Zion. My highway, I have a highway in my heart to Zion. It's the reality of the church. Lord, we receive it. And I'm praying that you update and catch everybody up too. Who you are. And what you do. And your plan and vision in it. For this church. For the nations. You got to know. We got to know, church. We got to know, saints. Daniel had the vision. Daniel chapter 2. That vision kept Daniel and those three men. It's going to keep us in the same hour. You can be seated, and I want you to keep playing. We got to get the, the view of God, Daniel 2. We always look at them as young men in some Bible story. It's just not true. They were young men, but they were strong men. Daniel knew the vision. And you can read it in your own Bible, Daniel chapter 2. And he saw the vision. The dream was not given to him. The dream was given to Nebuchadnezzar. A type of government. Nebuchadnezzar, a type of king. Ruling a kingdom. I don't know where the verse is at, so I'm just going to quote it. It says of Nebuchadnezzar in a certain time. 
that he, he was troubled. Will you say troubled? Say he's the same today, yesterday and forever. He troubles kings. He troubles presidents. He troubles men's governments. Still today. And he said he, he was troubled. Nebuchadnezzar was a king and a, a, of a human government. A figurehead that was troubled, the Bible says. He said he was troubled and, and one of the verses says he couldn't sleep. You got to know God gets your attention. Does he not yours? When you're a king outside of his kingdom, does he not get your attention? Where you can't sleep? Where you become troubled? Where you begin to have some dreams sometimes in your life? And you're not at rest at night? Has it ever happened to you? Say so he's the same. And he's troubled the king. And he's troubled. And he gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream. God did. Say God did. Nebuchadnezzar didn't believe. Doesn't matter what our presidents believe or not believe. He still rules in the kingdoms of men. He still troubles men and gives them sleepless nights until they all listen to him. Until they want out of their misery and pressure. We're speaking of that. If it's in your life, adjust yourself. I can tell you now in heart, there's need some adjustments in the house. With your eyes closed, there's some adjustments needing. I feel a couple of hits of strong rebellion in some here today. Strong rebellion. You know, rebellion, it's, it's hooked up to Nebuchadnezzar's vision. It's, it is. It's rebellion against God. It's worshiping yourself or man and making idols. When you know, when you know, say no. Downright was true. You know what's real. You know who is real. You know what's real. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to make it right with your heart right now with God. Some of you struggle with bosses. And all authority has been given by God. May not be your friend, but honor the authority of God. Some may even struggle in the church with order. Submit yourself and surrender yourself to the will of God. You know what it is. In Daniel 2, this vision, this dream was given to a, a human government, a human king. Say, the dream wasn't given to Daniel. The interpretation was given to Daniel. The answer was given to Daniel. Not the dream. The dream was given to that guy that was resisting God. The interpretation was given to your neighbor, to you. A modern day Daniel, to you to have wisdom. And God's been doing that all over. He's been doing it in our nation. Sending wise men. We've been praying. And he said in the Bible in Matthew 13 or 11, he said, I'll give you wise men. I'll send you prophets. He sent it to, to this king. He sent it to the president we have now. I told you weeks before there was a man named Ben Carter. He's a wise man. Spoke for God into that White House of modern-day Daniel because of your prayers, my prayers. That man has a chance to repent and listen to wisdom. Amen? He sends prophets. He still does. But sometimes we're blind to it. But Daniel knew something. Though the dream wasn't his, the interpretation was. You look at your Bible in Daniel 2. I don't even know what verse it is, but it's in the first 15, 16 chapter, uh, verses. And Daniel began to see these things. And he said, nobody can interpret this situation, America. Nobody can interpret this. Not magicians, not skilled men, not uh, uh, guys that bail you out, whatever you want to call it. No one could fix that. 
Amen? And Daniel said, I can't even fix it. But there's a God right now that can fix it. Amen? Can fix our nation that way as well. People would repent. Would fix our lives. Like Jimmy, I listened to the word that Jimmy gave Sunday. Powerful. He said, you're praying for an answer and God's correcting you into that answer. It's not an easy word, but it's a real word. Make the adaptations. Make the corrections. Amen? He'll fix our lives. Say, Lord, fix this area of my life. Fix this area of my life. Fix this area of my life. Whether it, whatever it is, unbelief, whether it's uh, insecurity, whether it's rebellion, whether it's high opinions of yourself, that robs so many in the church. Higher perceptions than God's delegated and given. Whatever it is, correct that area of your heart. Sometimes when, when you hear the sound of authority, if inwardly you start gnashing your teeth, that's a locator. you got a problem. Whatever it is, say, God, fix that in me today so I can go on with you into perfection. And Daniel said, there's a God that will give the interpretation. Give me a second. Give me time. And he began to get the wisdom of God. And he began to interpret. He said, this is what your dream is. This is what your dream means. Though it's not my dream, I'm seeing into it. Amen? Though we may not be the one God's dealing with at that time, or you might be. It doesn't matter. But we get the interpretation. We get the wisdom. We get the benefit. And you know, one of the things, as I read my Bible in Daniel 2, that kept Daniel and those two other men of God, was the vision that he interpreted for that human government. The view that he saw of that human government kept him from bowing, say bowing, from serving other gods and from worshiping. Not only was this Daniel's relationship connected with Jesus, he said, beloved Daniel, intimacy and a heart with God. Not only that, but he saw the vision, the human vision. Go to Daniel 2. Let me, maybe I can find it. I don't even know what verse, Cole, so I can't help you on that. Sorry about it. I read already not in the verse 1. I'll just go through it real quick. We already talked about it. Nebuchadnezzar was, had a dream, and he was troubled, and sleep left him. That's verse 1. And he said he was anxious. He had a dream, and, and his spirit was anxious. And he wanted to understand the dream. And he goes all the way through there. In 26 verse, I think I'm going to try 28. However, there is, he goes, however, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Say he reveals mysteries. Say, God, reveal your mysteries concerning Christ, concerning the church. It's called the mystery of God. Say the mystery of God. It's called the mystery of faith. It is a mystery. We, we can understand principles, but, but it's still a mystery of how he does it and how it happens. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. He says in verse 30, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed for, it goes, wisdom, and I'm skipping on, I'm looking for this verse here, let's see. And he goes on and describes what he's seen in the vision. And it all deals with human government, say human government. And the point being, and the bottom line is that as Daniel 
interpreted this dream, he saw the value and he saw how God seen human government. And he, and he starts telling him about the head of that human government. And it changes his concept. And it should change ours as well. That we don't put all our faith in any government. Amen? No human government. It's not just America. It's any human government is that way. And Daniel revealed the dream. And he saw the vision that maintained him and helped him stand. When he saw it's just man. When he saw and said, hey, there's going to come a stone. Not made with hands. That's going to cut down this crazy image of human government at this order. So ultimately he's saying, there's only one king. Say there's one king. And his kingdom's going to rule forever. And it's beginning in you and me now, right? Though it'll be forever when he comes back. And so Daniel had that idea, Old Testament concealed. Hey, who cares about this big idol? Who cares about Babylon? Do you know Nebuchadnezzar is just the furthering of Babylon? Genesis 18 talks about Nimrod. He was the first guy. I think it's Genesis 10, I'm sorry. Genesis 10, Nimrod was the first guy that started Babylon. Based on rebellion, say rebellion. Any nation, any individual who does that, they start out and saying, hey, we don't need God. We're going to make a name for ourselves, and we're going to worship idols. It's still the same today, whether it's my life, whether it's a leader's life. Amen? Human government, say human government. And Daniel began to see that. And I'm going to find that verse for you. Because obviously it changed some things for him in his life. And his buddies as well. He talks about the head of gold. He talks about this thing growing and progressing from Nimrod to the, and my Bible says, Media, Persia, and Greece. Every kingdom that came up at that order has fallen by now. Say, it's fallen. Every one of those kingdoms, Nebuchadnezzar's not here anymore. Say, tell your neighbor, Nebuchadnezzar's not here. His kingdom is not here anymore. Neither is Greece, right? My Bible says Greece. Neither is Rome. I pray to God that it's not America in our time. Though it's imploding from within because of rejection of God. I pray not. That's why we're praying, right? Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm going to try it, Tom. Thank you. Rome's not standing anymore. Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom's not standing anymore. This prophet prophesied what was happening to this, these human governments, though they were trying to progress outside of God. They all had an end and a destruction. Amen? 44, you said, Tom? Okay, and it says this. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Say, set up a kingdom. Which will never be destroyed. See, listen, get the vision that will keep you standing where you need to be. This vision kept them standing. This vision kept them from bowing, kept them from burning. This vision in two. For the kings of the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Say never. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush, say crush, and put an end to all these kingdoms. But it itself will endure forever. Say endure forever. Say we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. A kingdom that will remain, remain, remain. In so much as, verse 45 says, that they saw a stone, say a stone, was cut out of the mountain. A stone not made with hands. Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? That's Jesus, the King of glory. That he, Matthew says he's the stone 
that the builders rejected. He's the stone he talked to and prophesied to that if you don't bow to, will fall on you and crush. He's that stone not made by hands. He's Jesus. He's our stone. He's our Christ. He's our soon coming king, right? That kept Daniel. He's Old Testament. He said it was cut without hands and it crushed the iron, the bronze, and the clay, and the silver, and the gold, and the great great God is made known to the king. What was it take place in the future? Say the future. So the dream is, is uh, what does it say, true. And its interpretation is trustworthy. And, verse, and then it goes on and Nebuchadnezzar is really happy about the revealing of that. And then it shifts to the third chapter of Daniel. But you got to get it, and i got to get it. You can't put any dependency on human government. There is a King Jesus, right? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, right? See, you, you don't, whether you see it or not, it's still a reality. We're not talking about a fantasy. We're talking about a divine fact. So whether I believe Jesus is returning or not, He is. Guess what? He is. Whether I think He is, feel He is or not, He is. He's coming back. He's returning. We know that. That's a divine fact. Tell your neighbor, a divine fact. Not based on what I think, what I feel through the generations. It's an occurred thing. It's already happened. He's not at that tomb. He's risen. Amen? And God wants to take us further. But I want to I work with God here what He wants today. There's so much more. There's so much more that, he, that He's wanting. All week long, I, I find that presence and different people calling. And, 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 and you're there and God's refreshing and reviving. Because people need that right now. Amen? They need reality. They need truth. They don't need just some empty doctrine. They don't need some pretentious preacher. They need reality. They need truth. Then it comes through you. And all you got to do is be living it there so you can give it to them there. That's all. Jesus had authority because he lived what he said. Jude said, we're not to be clouds without rain. Because we're living this thing, we're not just echoes. We're bringing this thing. And people know in their hearts what's true. They know what's real. I did before I was saved. I did. I knew who was authentic and real. I knew who was pretentious. I knew who was snake oil that I wanted nothing to do with. I knew who was real. Say, so do you. Amen? So do you. And God's going to be keep pouring out, and he's doing it. And as long as he do it, I'm going to receive it. And there's a mystery. Amen? Let's, let, keep your finger in Daniel 11. I want to go to Luke chapter 4. And I want, I want us to train ourselves in this. Say, I came to the kingdom for such a time as this. I didn't come to play some game. I'm sorry, you didn't either. You wouldn't be here. And some come here to play that game and they're not here anymore. It doesn't matter. Christ is real. His church is reality. And we're to further that word and that God. Amen? Amen. He lives forever. Luke chapter 4. Listen to this in the 16th verse. And it goes on about Jesus. And I think Anna might have said it, but I don't know who said it, but God quickened it. And we're going to train our lives like this and live like this. In verse 17, it says, And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, right? Say the book. And I want you to read this with me. And he opened the book. Say, and he opened the book. And he found the place where it was written. Pick up your Bible. Say, I open the book. I find the place that it's written. Say it again with me. I open the book. I find the place. That it's written of me, of his church, where we're at. I'm finding that place by opening the book. And that's what Jesus did. And then he said, this day that scripture is fulfilled in your ears. 
So whenever we come, whether you know it or not, I'm always searching God and saying, God, I'm here to open the book and find the place where you're wanting to speak today so we can speak forth you, so we can have a transforming word and we can have an imparting word and we can build your house and build your church and build your people to be the destiny they were called to be. Say, I open the book. I find the place in the book that it's written therein. Bigger, we're talking bigger scale here nowadays. Though it applies to everything. If you're having a problem with your body, you open the book, you find the place where it's written therein for healing. If it's for provision, you open the book, you find the place it's written therein for provision. Those are, those are what do you call every believer goes through those processes. I'm not saying it's a small thing, but there's a greater thing. Say a greater thing. It's Christ and his kingdom. And that's what's important to God's heart and his vision. And you have a part in it. Say you have a part in it. There's a calling that you have in your life. And we always do that. We want you to find your calling, your selection, so you can serve his calling with your calling. That's the will of God. Amen? And he said, he opened the book. Let's say it one more time. He opened the book. He found the place where it is written. See, because that's how God's going to speak to you and me. That's how God's going to strengthen and empower you and me. By his word that proceeds out of his mouth, spoken to our situation for right now. So we can say, this day, this scripture, this day, that's a now word, it's a present truth. So I ask him, where are you at in the book? And I'll tell you where he's at in, in, in the church. And I know that we're, you know, Anna will say, man, some, some of this stuff is, is heavier and it's too high. No, you still got to deliver it. I was around things that were heavy and too high, but I eventually caught it. It doesn't matter. I can't keep bringing it down because you got you know, you got a hangnail today. Here's a scripture for you. God bless you. No, there's a bigger vision, a bigger dream. Someone will help you with that. It should be the other saints of God helping you with that. Help you with your hangnail. It's important to God. Say, God cares for me. But there's a bigger vision and a bigger dream. And he's dispensing that out. Whether we think we get it or not. I've lived in places I didn't understand a clue what the guy said. I said, what are we talking about, Zion? What do you mean? But I caught the spirit of it, the impartation of it, and it matured. And years later, the revelation caught up. Can't hold back. We've got to dispense what God's dispensing. He said what's written in the book, right? Sometimes we, we fall so short of the glory in his church and the beauty of what he wants for us to have. We fall short with, in, you know, incarnation. Say incarnation. Resurrection. Say resurrection. Ascension. Say ascension. We hardly ever get there as a church, but that's Paul's mystery. That's Paul's burden. He talks about an ascended Christ. We want to play around sometimes with the incarnation. And, and, and to be frank and honest, I've done a sloppy job with it, and other people do too. It's on Christmas. Let's talk about the incarnation. He's Emmanuel. Emmanuel, oh, come all you. Well, that's low level, right? Say he's more than incarnation. I love that he's my Emmanuel. Tell your neighbor, I love that he's my Emmanuel, that he's God with me, that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me always low, even into the end of the world. He's with me. He's my Emmanuel. I love that. But there's a higher revelation of that. Amen? And then we play around sometimes with resurrection at, 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 at Easter time. We mix the resurrected Jesus with chocolate bunnies and, and, and purple eggs. I don't know. That's a low level. Don't you think? Don't you think that's a low level? I don't, if, if your bunnies and I don't push them over, melt them. I don't care. But Jesus is real, and he's more than that. 
So we touch resurrection and we mix it with a little bonnet and, you know, whatever. Say it's low level. Say he is the resurrection. Put to your heart, I have resurrection. That's part of the mystery of Paul. It's a reality. It's a divine fact. It's not some fantasy or fable, Peter said. It's Christ in you. Resurrection's real. Paul said this, Philippians chapter 3, this one thing I do. I leave things in the past that need to be in the past. Some of you need to do that. Leave the past in the past so you can see your future. If you're looking to your past, you never get to your future. Leave it behind. This one thing I do, I leave it behind, right? And he said, I want to know some things. Say no. I want to know Jesus, he says, intimately, fellowship, more progressive, more intimately. And I want to know the power, say power, of his resurrection. And I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. And he's talking about when? When, when, he, when he returns? We're going to know the resurrection when he returns? Huh? Yeah, we're going to know a degree of the, rev, uh, of the resurrection, that next resurrection someday. But Paul said, I want to know it now. Do you think he's saying, I'll wait till I see him in heaven and, and the sufferings? There's not going to be any sufferings there. The resurrection is right now. Say it's right now. Say, I, I, he is resurrection. I have resurrection. That becomes real to you. As you go to his word, as you're praying that word, you find a power in your life coming through your life, through the words that you're speaking. That's what happened to me when I was younger. Why do you think I stayed in this so long? If it was empty, I couldn't handle it. I began to learn how to pray and say some things. And, and when I did, I marked it in my notes in my journal. And I said, there's something different in these words. They're not just empty. They got a strength to them. They got an energy to them. Say energy. They got a power to them. And Paul said his dispensing word was, hey, you got incarnation. In the Gospels. You got resurrection in the Gospels. I'm the guy that God gave me a completing word, Colossians says. A furthering word about an ascended Jesus. I didn't walk with him on earth. He knocked me off my donkey and I saw something in the heavenlies with him. An ascended Christ. Say an ascended Christ. When we open the book and where God wants to bring us is the dispensation is right now. Is Christ the ascended one. Who's dispensing into us. Who lives in us. With resurrection, reality, and life. And builds his church that crushes things. Amen? That's Paul's revelation or part of it. So we're heading that way. Say, I'm heading that way. You've got to know if people would see him in his beauty, in his splendor, in his reality, in the church, they would be coming. I want to keep revealing them. I want to keep bringing them. I want to keep being faithful to the heavenly vision. I want to keep imparting that so people's hearts will burn in them. And those that are awakened to it will come unto him. And they'll find him. Say, find him. Then they'll find their callings in the church. Say, in the church. And then they'll extend his kingdom. Amen? Say, God, give me meat. I desire meat from your word. Yeah, I love the water of the word, a washing of the word. I love every aspect of your word. But when you're wanting to dispense some things in my life for the furtherance of your church, tell them I'm in. I'm in. Tell them I'm in. Where did I tell you to go? Oh, that's Luke 4. Let's go back to Daniel 3. I want you, on your own time, I want you to go through 1 Corinthians 6 on another day, on another time. 
And I want you to underline in your Bible everywhere it says, know ye not. And I want you to hear not just the black ink in the letter, but I want you to feel the sense of that scripture. And the, the pleading of Paul's heart, know ye not. Hey, listen, know you not, church, know you not that you're this. And when you get that and the lights go on, you won't be bound to the things that the church in Corinth was bound to. They were bound at one point uh, struggling with law cases to be who was right and who was wrong. They were suing each other. They were suing brothers. You didn't do right. Pay up. I'll take you to court. Paul said all things are permissible or, or lawful. They're not, how does he say it? all things are permissible, not beneficial, something like that, profitable? So he dealt with that, that contention that they had suing each other, right? Then he goes to a whole other chapter and he deals with uh, food. He said his food is for the belly and belly for the food. The body belongs to God, to the Lord. Amen? And he lays these things out and these answers for the church with, the, with these simple things. Know ye not. Say, know ye not. He said, don't you know that God lives in you? Don't you know that he's real in you? Don't you know that you're a temple of his, a dwelling place of his? And besides that, he said, don't you know that you're a member? You're, you're connected. He's the head and we're the body. We can't separate ourselves from God. He's the head of the church. Say, head of the church. We're the body. That's part of the mystery. It's a dispensing Jesus, his power, his grace, his love constantly to us, his people. That's reality. How does it become reality in your life? You look in the book. You read it. You pray it. You begin to experience it. It begins to seize and grab your heart. And you do like Paul. You know what? I'm pressing ahead for the, say, the goal. He said, I got to get to that goal. And then he said, I also got to get to that prize. There's a goal. Say, there's a goal. Then there's a prize. They're two different things, right? And you'll see what he says later. Some of it's the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus. The goal, the prize. You got to look it up. Which one is it? He said, man, to know the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus, say to know. That's where we're going to live from now on. We're going to live by what we know. Say that with me. Say, I live by what I know. Not by what I feel. Not by what I think. I live by what I know. Paul said, know ye not. The apostle John said, these things are written that you might know. Say no. The difference between victory and failure is you choosing to go with the no. That's why people win and some lose. That's why people overcome and succumb. It's based on choosing what you know. Say it's the spirit in man. Proverbs 18 says there's a spirit in man that sustains him in every situation. A strong spirit, Anna said. A strong spirit in man. What verse is it? Put it on up there. You might as well, as far I butcher it. Proverbs 18, cold 21. Don't, some, seven is it? Okay. Say, I go with what I know. That's going to cause you the victory or not, right there. That's what's going to happen. I want you to write in your notes. Satan is nothing more than fear being perceived as reality. You know, Isaiah 14, some of you are afraid to write that because you go, he's going to come after me and squat. <laughs> so Isaiah 14, I'm not going to say that. He's much more than that, I think. The main thing is he's fear perceiving, to, it's a lie perceiving to be true, and it's not real. That's fear. Fear brings dread. Say it brings dread. 
Fear brings threats. You know, you're not going to live. You're not going to live. You're not going to live. This and that. That's a threat. Say that's threat. It's a perception that's not real. You got, he got no proof of that. Threats, accusations, condemnations. That's Satan. Say that's fear. Isaiah 14 somewhere, I'm looking for Tom, says that they looked on him one day when, when the, the eyes were opened. They said they looked on him and they said, are you the guy who scared the nations? Are you the one that was hassling me? Are you the one? He said they looked on him narrowly because he wasn't as big as our heads allowed it to be. We need to have him in his proper place. Amen? And fear is an illusion, appearing and trying to appear itself real. Paul says in Galatians, it's a paper tiger, fourth chapter in the message. He said they're empty threats, right? He says in Isaiah, it's a powerless ghost. Tell your neighbor, I'm not buying in. I'm not buying in. Tell him again. I'm bypassing. I'm not buying in, but I'm bypassing those thoughts of destruction, those thoughts of evil, those thoughts of condemnation, those thoughts of accusation. I'm not buying in. I'm bypassing them. I'm bypassing them. I'm letting them pass on by. I'm not letting them live in my mind. I'm not letting them stay in my head. I'm letting them pass on by. Huh? And I go with what I know, right? Fear, you know, Psalm 34, you, you do the research. He says, I think it says something like this. It words it like this. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Psalms 34. Fear has many. The word Greek word for fear is phobos, like phobias. Phobias. Do you ever have any of those? I, I counsel a lot of people that have, uh, what do you call it, obsessive compulsive disorders. And when they see the light go on, they go, oh, that is what I do. <laughs> is the door locked? Is the door locked? I got to relock it. I got to relock it. Relock. That is what I do. And then when they see the little bit of the light on it, they go, oh, that's not me. That's that thought process. That's causing me to bow. Cringe. Say, I'm not bowing. Say, I'm not serving. That's right. I love this kid. Man, he, he feeds me back. That's awesome. And with, with fortitude. You see his eyebrows? Kind of scared me a little bit. But it's so full of God. I'm not bowing. I'm not burning. I'm not backing off. <laughs> Spit on the ground. I like that guy. He said, Tuh. I'm glad you're with me. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you're with me. Say it's fear. It's a threat that appears to be real. Right? I, got, I want you to know this, and we'll go back to Daniel 3. That somewhere in your life, it happens to all of us. Somewhere in our lives, when we're going through a certain thing, when we're facing a certain situation, somewhere in our lives, we're going to come to this very place that Daniel did. And I want you to think of them as men of God, not little boys, okay? Not little boys. They're, they're men of God. They're, they're men beyond their years because of the grace of God in their lives. Like some of your kids, beyond her years. She's beyond her years because of the grace of God in her life. There's a maturity to her. Protect that. Because everything around her is going to try to erode it. I guarantee you that. Where is he at? There you are. But protect that. You'll protect it in, in prayer. He'll protect it with his fist, whatever it takes. <laughs> protect that. Beyond her years, there's growth, maturity. Everything tries to erode that because God's involved in her life. So you protect that. You guys protect that. You surround that. Say, no, this is the way. Don't listen to what they're saying. Listen to what God's saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, well, that doesn't look normal to them. It's their new normal. 
We live by truth and reality. We're not behind the times. We're ahead of times. The Bible says we're the head and not the tail. We live above and not beneath. So don't let somebody rob you and talk you into something that's normal. I remember my daughter when she got to that certain age. Dad, the way you live is just not normal. I said, well, so let's define what normal is. That guy just cheated on his wife, and he's with another woman. That's normal? No. She said, well, it's just not normal that you don't do that. I said, define what's normal. And then I'll tell you if I'm Abby, normal. Huh? I'm normal. You stay solid. Surround her. Surround her with reality, strength of family, the word of God. It will preserve her. That's why she's mature beyond her years. That's why Daniel was. There's a lot of people in here that are mature beyond their years. I, I prophesied to Daniel and King a long time ago that, that you know, and they're already they're, they're helping people in their 60s and 50s. It's the grace of God. Say the grace of God. If you just discover, like, this little bit of the grace of God, you're going to profit right there. You're going to profit there. I'm trying to stay true and on to the thing. All week long, I, I got calls from uh, Dallas and this other place, and I really, I, I, people calling, and they want to know, how did you find your way? How did you find your calling? How did you find your place? How did you find that? And there's a sound for that. And I know that. And in that next generation, do you know, and I don't want to go off on this, because Anna said, Craig, you, you, you'll, you just take it easy. 48%, no, 45% of young kids that go to college get a degree, are unemployed, and live at home. 45%. And, and some of you do the math. That's almost half. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Hey, hey, watch out for the mocking. Yeah, that's high level. <laughs> easy, easy, these two guys. Easy. See, the mockers, they do that. It's all right. <laughs> okay, but that, that right wasn't kind. <laughs> no, you're not what I do. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Yeah, I heard it. I marked it. I heard the laughters. Marked it. Exactly. And, and, then, and you're getting more of those people calling that. And, 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 they, and they call in there because they want to know their calling. They, they start that thing. Where do I find my place? How do you find rest? How do you find that place, that calling, that election from God? And, and I want to get into it another time because it's, I've, been, I've been hearing that all week long. And another day, maybe next week or another time. And uh, you, maybe you bring some people. Maybe instead of just talking to each other, you talk to some other people as the church. Amen? And bring them in there. There's some people that are wasting money and wasting time. And there's a way that seems right unto man, but there's death in the end. There's a way of God. See, we, we say, some of us barely say Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. Jesus is the way, truth, and life. But most of the people and most of the religious people in the church say, well, there's many paths unto God. We get this crazy Hindu thing. We're like, we're like well, I'm saved, but there's many ways to God, yeah. There's many ways to God we can go. <laughs> huh? Do you not see that? I see it all the time. They will find their own path someday, one time. No, no. There's a path that's already cut. It says Jesus is the pioneer, and he already cut that path. He already made it, made the brush go down, the rocks get out of the way. So if I just follow that path, I'll find my way, which is his way, my calling for his calling. And it's real, and it's valuable, and it's worth it. And any, any one of you that have done that and followed that path and found that calling, bona fide by God, then you can give that out to help people. 
Help them. Say, Jesus is the way. In spite of preachers saying, well, I don't know, Larry. Maybe there's many ways to God. I'm not sure. Because I'm not going to say that. I just can't judge that. The Bible says that. Just say what he said. Just say what he said. Huh? If you can't say that, your, your Christianity is under indictment. But then but the next step is, well, there's many paths. Well, there's not really. Jesus cut a path. There is already, it's already cleared. If we just follow that, you find some things that are eternal, and you find them for real. And you know what? They remain forever. People thought I was crazy, and I didn't know any other way. It's an inherent, say it's an inherent lordship of Jesus. And then there's a, a path that he takes you on. And if you just follow that path, you find him on it, yeah, and you find what he made you to be and who you are. Like I told you last week, quit condemning yourself, Luke chapter 5. He said, cast the nets on the side. Let's do it again. And he said, maybe you said it like I said it. I can't. I'm not that guy. I'm not good at it. I Whatever. But he didn't say that. He didn't say stop. He said, just come follow me, and I'm going to make you. I'm going to show you what you're made to be. Just keep following. That's all you got to do. Follow that pathway that's already made. You know, and so anyway, I, I talked to a young man, and, and uh, he calls me, and, and he's doing a job, and he's an engineer uh, uh, for, I don't know what you call it, but he got his education there, and, part of, and he's doing a provision there, but part of his calling is totally different than that. God's going to use that. Say, God's going to use that. He got that some education, but callings. This guy, you can always, he, they call me up, and these are the guys that are like this. I look for the temperament in God, the temperament of who they are. And you hear it. You can't pretend it. I, you can't make it happen. It just happens in the moment. I don't know how to explain it, but it happens. And you know that guy, and you see his temperament and his wiring. Say wiring. Say, God's made me fearfully and wonderfully. And he's wired me. And he's DNA'd me. Even before I was born again, I was wired in DNA a certain way. I was telling Jimmy last night, there, there's long necks and there's sharp tooths. If you try to push a sharp tooth in with long necks, don't work. He eats meat. <laughs> He's wired differently. And that's why Christ, when you come to Christ, he knows how you're wired. He made you that way. But then he, he says, come on into this place called the church and watch some of these guys draw out your destiny and, and, and call out your identity. And, and it rings true to you and it awakens in you and you find that place forever. Say forever. And this one, this one guy said, you know, he, he's got that temperament. He's this guy. This is the guy. He, he's, these guys are like this. He's uh, self-disciplined. Say self-disciplined. Some people aren't. They struggle with that. Other people, it comes just like that. They're just disciplined. They're self-motivated. Say self-motivated. This guy's disciplined. He's self-motivated. He's wired that way. It's the grace in his life. It's nothing he could boast about. It's who God made him before the foundation of the world. He's motivated. He's got to be he's that guy who gets up. He's got to run those miles, exercise. He's got to swim those laps. He's got to do that superhero thing. He's that guy. And you know what else is in that guy's heart when he comes out? I want to help people get out of oppression. I want to help people get away from the bad people. I want to help people get away from the bad guys. Well, guess what? That guy's a called guy. God wired them away. He's wired. You know what? Well, this is what you need to do. Cambridge University says, what we used to do in the old days, you fast, you pray, and then come to the, de- uh, the, the deans, and we'll confirm that, and then we'll place you in the class in that. And then they took off. The church is supposed to be doing that, right? So this kid... Uh, who, who is he? I tell easy. You're easy. And his heart's already already bent there. I'm going to go. I'm going to finish this with my job, be responsible for my family. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to go do the thing in the Navy. I'm going to be a SEAL. Yeah, you are. You are. You're going to be that because of the way that he's wired, right? 
I meet other young men, they're wired with this gift of God and mercy. And you know what? Their mercy, you go, okay, mercy. What do they do with that mercy? They have exhortation. They stand right alongside people. They're the rescuers in society. They can't help but rescue people. Where, where do they belong? Sometimes those mercy guys, they're pastors in the church. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with being a pastor? Don't tell me. <laughs> You're a prop. <laughs> What's wrong with being a pastor? Just kind of go like this. You know, alongside, they're to exhort. Get alongside people. Most of those guys, they can exhort. Come on, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get alongside of you. I want to help you get there. Well, th- what else do they do? What else would a guy like that do? He could be, he's a rescuer. He's a fireman. He's an EMT. He's that guy. He's got that heart inherently from God. So now he's doing the will of God by the grace of God. Finds their callings. Finds their running lane. Finds that placing. Right? I didn't, I didn't mean to go all that way. I know, Anna, you're right. So why are you making, I know. I told you that lie. I said, I got so much stuff that I want to, I go, yeah. So I'm going to stop, and I'm going to say this. If you, there's a lot of different, there's people are doing that. How do you find your way? And I'm telling them, I'm not unashamedly telling them there is a way, and I want you to find that way. And yeah, maybe, maybe you think it's, it's costly or whatever, but no, it's really how it happens. I had an individual send me a text that calls all the time, and, and it's, really, it's really interesting in God. Anyway, long story short, they wrote me a letter and said, this is what you do. You, you, you've been there, you mentor me, and you call for my uh, identity, and, it, and it's already there. It's already given by God, but it becomes real, and I walk in it. Yeah, you better believe that. That comes in the church. There's value in the church if we're doing this thing the way he's saying to do it. People find their destinies if we're doing it the way he said to do it. And we are. Say we are. We are. Boom, 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 boom. We are. But we're going to do that. That's a commercial. You two are supposed to know that. They both shook their head. It didn't sound like it. Oh, I thought you were commercial people. You know, or like that other kid. I know he's going to do that thing. Whether he's doing the provision thing, you know, he's, he's going to do that thing. You're either going to be, he's either going to be a policeman, a soldier, or a superhero. He'll dress up with clothes. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's what those guys do. I want, to, I want to stop the bad guy and help them from being oppressed. That's what you do. That's a calling. Where would you send them? Well, you know, I'm not going to send them and say, well, that's a great calling. Go get a cape and uh, get some tights on. No, you say, you know what? <laughs> you, want, you, want, you got the police thing and you do that. You're graced to do that. I don't believe, I mean, sometimes guys that get in medical field that have poor bedside manner, they're in the wrong field. A medical guy's got to be right alongside. I heard a great testimony uh, of Richard on uh, the news on Danielle's thing. And they were all boasting, every family person that met him and other people, how great his bedside manner was, how simple he makes things. He, that's a doctor, you know what I mean? But not just the education, but he has that life. He has that grace. He has that compassion and the wisdom and the education to do that. 45%. See, they, they mocked me because they said, you didn't go to college for math, that's for sure. I would have been the guy, I would have been in trouble with Beth. <laughs> I would have had to stay another year. Like, Craig, what do you want to be? A garbage man? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm just saying. I have to humor. I have to. We have to laugh. Oh, that's right. You can be a congressman if you're a son of a, sorry, bleep, a lawyer, trial lawyer. If you're a son of a trial lawyer, you can be that. And if you don't know math. And see, those are the guys that they went their own way. And it, it doesn't work for them. Right? 
Say supernatural endowment. That's because it's God's. Paul said, I wouldn't have you ignorant of supernatural endowments, graces that are given to you. And once people awaken to them, they always succeed. And I have a friend that reminds me of Cain. And, and the reason why he reminds me of Cain is because of the gift in their life. But he's an administrator. I'm talking kingdom real. And this guy, no matter where he went, we all start at the bottom. He would always come to the top and always end up administrating. He went to, he, he quit college at whatever year. And I, listen, I'm for college. I'm for college. I'm for education. But first find out maybe more your destination, right? And let that compliment. I had a lady call night before last, late. Sorry to wake you so late. I don't know anybody else to call. And they're in Wisconsin or Minnesota or something. Is it too late for me to go to school? No. No, it's not. Why? Because I really feel like I've had this thing inside to, to help people undo people. Like a, should be a woman of God, a man of God, but they'll call a psychologist. Yeah, get the paperwork. Get the education. Because you've got the grace and the gift to do that for people. You just need the paperwork, right? So if you know some kids that are in that state, if you, and I, I, there was, one was at the gym, one was in Dallas, one was another one. This other guy, that one was a parent calling, saying he can't come to talk to you right now because he's at, he has two jobs. And, and they said, and I, and I looked at his picture, and you start getting some stuff about him. And I said, this guy, he's got a gift of faith. And, and she goes, yeah, he's, he has this confidence, unusual confidence, not arrogance. Because you know how that is. Arrogance is different. But an unusual confidence. He's this guy. And you can see it in his thing. He's a risk taker. If, you're, if you have a gift of faith, say supernatural endowment, you're going to be a risk taker. You know, I, make, I might not could do that. When, when they say jump, if I don't have that gift functioning, I can't jump. He could jump. He could fly planes. But you got it's a risk taker, a gift of faith. And I go, yeah, that's that guy. And, and, and you start seeing him. And you go, hey, he can't, he can't eat with the rest of the pigeons and just be nominal and look down. He can't do that. That little risk taker is a power gift. A gift of faith is with healing, miracles, power. It's called dunamis. It's a power gift. That guy, all he wants to do is blow things up. I don't know why I, don't know why I want to change everything. It's a gift of faith. He's a risk taker. He's not a, he can't be a nominal pigeon. That guy's got like a little bent nose. He's an eagle. He's got to fly. And so I tell her, I know who he is. Let's work with just that one element of grace and let's bring him into that place and let him begin to function in that job. It'll be a platform because we've got to get somewhere to get that platform and watch him fly. And though he has all that gift, he has a little hesitation because your gift is, is a lot greater than your character. And so when you get up there, you go, I, I'm frustrated being a pigeon. I want to fly, but I'm scared. And all eagles are scared to come out of their nest. You've got to kick them out. Doesn't the mother do that? Get out and fly. And they go, oh, my gosh, i got bigger wings than I thought. And they're shaped different. Say risk taker. Gift of faith. See, that my friend Doug, he, he went to no matter where he goes, and he's in Los Angeles, California. He's a, a, a GM, a general manager in this place. By no paperwork, no nothing, just by the gift that's been trained, exercised, and it always go to the top. Because the Bible says the gift will make room for itself. Say it'll make room for itself. Yeah, it'll make room for you. God makes room for himself in you. I didn't want to go all this way, but if you, this week, cause, because it's so on hard, if you've got guys, you've got old men, young men, I, I've, I've dealt with people in their 60s, they say, Craig, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I told them, you know, I, I, I try to do this. You know, you do the same thing with them. 
So it's not an age thing. It's, a, it's an identity and calling thing. If you know some people that are in that frustration, bring them. Bring them in the next few weeks. Bring them. You tell your neighbor, I'm bringing somebody. Oh, wow. I'm, I... Yep. <laughs> oh, you're all trying to think of a name? All right. Tell your neighbor, I'm bringing somebody. <laughs> you said it? <laughs> Bring somebody that needs that. You know what I mean? They're in that season of it because that's where he'll, they'll find that. Right? Amen? I'm just, I'm going to wrap it up, okay? We're at 12.5. I know we're hungry, and it's so food Sunday. This is Don Cornelius. <laughs> Don Cornelius? You said it. Why, <laughs> Why did I trust you and then didn't? <laughs> because you had that face. That wasn't big deep. That was that face. Who was it? <laughs> it's Don Cornelius of Soul Train. Yep. I'm debating. Let, let, just close your eyes with me one second. <clears throat> Lord, we love you and we appreciate you. And I am personally appreciate you in, in this church and this local house and the fellowship of people and the living stones that you brought together in here even today. And Lord, I know they, they all hear your voice and, and they're all your sheep and they know your call. And I pray that these things today which, that stirred and awakened and stimulated their hearts for these areas. And I pray, God, that, that as it was when I was a young man as well, that I had to have, I had to know. We, we all cried out to you, Lord, as young men. I remember my friends and saying, yeah, we're saved, but what's our running lane, God? What's our running lane? What are we supposed to do? Where are we supposed to do and how do we find how to do it? And there's a place that we're to do that in. There's a place. There's a way. Not many paths. There is a path. And it's called Zion. I'm going to end it with this. Someday, somebody in here, tell me to go back to Daniel chapter 3 for some time in life, all right? Because I, I don't remember. After I do this God thing, I don't remember. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, not saying I'm ignorant, Jimmy. <laughs> quit judging me, man. I'm just saying I quit thinking about it, all right? <laughs> all right. Okay. Tell me, Daniel 3, somebody. We'll go back to it sometime. All right, Daniel 3. But I want, to, I want you to put up Psalms 84, and I'm going to close with this. Oh, you did? Well, I'll just try to go through I don't know where it's all. Oh, it's already turned off, you said? What did you say? What did you say? He got a little hasty. Cole, go, read 1 Corinthians 6. It talks about our bellies and gods. <laughs> and God, not gods. <laughs> he said, I'm going, man. I'm going to eat some cornbread. 74, 84, I'm sorry, people, saints, beloved, whatever you want to call yourselves. This is verse 1, let's read it together. How lovely. Do you got Bibles? I don't know, even if it's turned off. Do you got Bibles? Because when I, when, I, when I say it, let's read it, I really, really kind of mean it. I kind of want to, have, I want to hear it back. So, yeah. So don't, yeah, just humor me, if nothing else. How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, and she may lay with her young. Even your altars, O Lord, are hosts, my King and my God. How blessed are those who dwell in your house. Say, I'm blessed. 
See, I mean, I, I know, you know, we're still growing, but there's something about the corporate Jesus and the corporate Christ that Paul so emphasizes, and the DNA and the identity in it is so beautiful, so wonderful, and so impacting, though we don't see it. And I ask God, many people, I say, God, how can a man join themselves to anything else other than you and Zion? That's not in the Bible. That sounded pretty good, though. He goes, verse 5, how blessed is the man whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. Say, Jesus is Lord. I have an inherent Christ. And because of that, I got a heart that has the highway to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. Say, that's me and you. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Where? Everyone. Say, everyone. Say everyone, everyone say me today, I go from strength to strength that appears in Zion before God, in Zion. O Lord of hosts, verse 8, hear my prayers, give ear, O God of Jacob, behold our shield, O God, and look up the face of your anointed. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. I'd rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does not, he does not withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, how blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's stand to your feet, will you? And thank God that Jesus is your Lord. Amen? And thank God that there's a highway in you that's leading to Zion. Thank God that he's building his church. And thank God that he's favoring Zion. And thank God that people are coming into Christ and they'll come into his callings and then they'll serve him with their callings. They won't be frustrated. They won't be confused. They'll be free. Amen? I'm done.